the volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Lakers Tonight is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. It's a great place to bet on the NBA. It's America's number one sportsbook, and you get winnings delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. If you are new, just download FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Jason T so they know I sent you. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana, permitted parishes only, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. In Tennessee Redline, Dial 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. All right, welcome to Lakers Tonight, presented by FanDuel here on The Volume. I'm Jason Timp. Happy Tuesday, everybody. I hope your week is off to a good start. That was a frustrating game in a lot of ways, but not entirely unpredictable. I mean, it's a late-game collapse, right? But at the end of the day, when you're looking at the two teams and you look at the fact that the Lakers are trying to generate offense with an injured version of LeBron and 
The Meanwhile, Dallas has their defense clicking on all cylinders and Luka playing as well as he is. It's not entirely unpredictable. We're going to break down this game, at least what uh, what is worth breaking down from a game like this. Uh, if you guys stick around for the end, I have some notes on the Golden State Warriors and their recent struggles. The Boston Celtics, big win on national TV tonight, as well as the Clippers, who have won six out of seven. So stick around for the end uh, on that front. But I, I, let's we're going to get started by talking about just how frustrating it is to see a team like this in the circumstances that they find themselves in be this inconsistent with their effort. Because the Lakers came out with a certain level of focus and desperation that they were completely and utterly lacking against the Pelicans the other night. And that's what's frustrating because, you know, when you have a talent limitation like the Lakers have right now, you're going to lose some games. Like I said, in crunch time there, Dallas had a huge advantage. It wasn't a huge shock that things went down the way they did. But if you play, if you package this effort, and you package this overall performance from the Lakers, and you use that on Sunday night against the Pelicans, you win. You win that basketball game. You probably win that basketball game going away by 10 or 15 points. Even tonight, just within the lens of this game. You know, you fell apart in crunch time, but you also had a period of time there in the second quarter where you kind of looked like you were heading down the quit road again. And if you could remove that seven or eight minute stretch in the second quarter where you guys let go of the rope, maybe you're up 15 in the middle of the fourth quarter. And maybe Luka isn't capable of overcoming that gap at the end of the night. And that's where the Lakers need to have some sort of <laughs> meeting or some, some sort of hash out session where they figure out whether or not they want to do this. Because the basketball team that we saw for most of the night tonight is good enough to hover around 500 until Anthony Davis get back, gets back and make a run at things in the playoffs. But if you're going to be inconsistent with the effort and completely mail it in in a winnable game like the one against the Pelicans and then bring it against a team but that it's not enough to win like it is against Dallas, then there's just no point in going through all of this. And that brings me to LeBron because I think he's obviously injured. For those of you who are just joining us, this is Lakers Tonight, presented by FanDuel here on The Volume. You know, I've been very critical of LeBron over the course of the last couple of games, and I think it's completely fair. LeBron fans can be crazy, because I, I, he's my favorite player. Literally, I'm into this sport because of him. I was not raised on basketball. LeBron got me into basketball. I, he will always be my favorite player. I've loved watching him throughout his entire career. I also... As a competitor and as a fan of the game of basketball, I'm going to hold him to a certain standard. Not just within that, but because he's in the conversation for being the best basketball player to ever play the game. That comes with a standard and an expectation that I'm going to hold him to. But at the same time, I have to separate what I'm criticizing him for for his effort from the obvious physical limitation that he's dealing with. Throughout that entire second half, he was leaning entirely on his jump shot because he couldn't get by people. There were a couple of these jump shots. There was a step back that he hit over Dorian Finney-Smith where he was he looked like Boris Diaw when he was with the 2014 Spurs. Like he just he doesn't have anywhere near the athleticism he had even just 1 month ago. Just before this whatever this knee swelling thing is is clearly and severely hampering him. So that's where, that's where it complicates this issue because outside of 
you know, this stretch tonight in the second half where he really dialed it up, he's struggled mightily over the course of the last three, four games. And it's obviously hampering him, and I don't understand how it's going to get better because LeBron has explicitly told us in a post-game presser, he said, it's just like my ankle last year. It's not ever going to be better until I give it rest. It's not going to be better until the offseason. So from that standpoint, do I think this limited version of LeBron that has no lift, that obviously can't unleash any of his basket attacking part of his game, if I'm not getting that in a conjunction with Anthony Davis, this team's not going anywhere anyway. So you have to think about what you're holding out for. If you're, if you're going to try to make a run to try to hover around 500 until Anthony Davis gets back, you better believe that that group can make some noise. And they're not going to if LeBron is this hurt. Again, Luka was flat out better than LeBron at the end of this game, and I don't think it was LeBron's fault. Luka is healthy. Luka's in a groove. Luka's in a rhythm. Luka was cooking. LeBron is clearly hampered. All he could go to was deep threes, contested threes, and step-back jump shots in the mid-range. He had one blow-by to the baseline where he barely got above the rim for a dunk, but that was the rare exception to what was a half of LeBron having to lean back on his jump shot because he's obviously physically hampered. I want to cut him slack on that front because that's out of his control. But what is in his control is his overall effort and demeanor. And in, the, in, the, in that second quarter when things were going off the rails, a lot of it was LeBron. And a lot of it was his effort and focus and energy on that front. And that's what really hammers home the fact, in my opinion, that they need to consider shutting LeBron down for the season. Because he's always going to struggle in these environments. I talked about this a lot two nights ago. LeBron struggles with motivation when the team's not good enough to compete for a championship. That, that fact, that fact that the Lakers aren't good enough to compete for a championship, I think that is 1,000% solid and evidenced right now by what we're seeing on the court. They can't do it. So at a certain point, you've got to read the writing on the wall. LeBron's hurt. He's going to struggle in this environment anyway. The team's not good enough. I don't understand the point of trying to push him across this finish line when he's obviously not physically capable of it. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult for LeBron because he, he's got his personal goals, right? Like he, he's striving for all-time NBA statistical achievements. And I know some people want to poo-poo that because they're not winning. But, hey, guess what, guys? LeBron's got enough of a winning resume that you guys can't say anything about that. He's allowed to do whatever the heck he wants. The dude is as secure and solidified of a winner that we have in the league today. And I understand his ambitions on that front. He just has to weigh that against his health. Because if, there, if there's one more opportunity for him to win a title as an NBA player, it's going to be some season after this, not this season. And he has to factor that into his calculation about how much stress and how much wear and tear he wants to put on his body. Not to mention all of these, you know, your as an athlete, your body is like a chain. Everything is connected. If when you have an injury in one part of your body, you compensate for it elsewhere in your body. My guess would be in these games, LeBron is probably absorbing more contact on his right knee. He's probably, when he lands on his left knee, he's probably landing a little bit more straight leg. He, he is running the risk of a more serious injury materializing from this as well. And so that's why I think he needs to have a serious look in the mirror conversation with himself and with his team about whether or not this is worth it. For those of you who are just joining us, 
This is Lakers tonight presented by FanDuel here on the volume. I want to talk about Russ for a second because I think it was an interesting game from him in a lot of different ways. You know, uh, Twitter always is going to stick to lowlights with him, and, and he and and I get it because particularly a lot of his lowlights this season have been centered around effort, and those are inexcusable. It's kind of like the, the the highlights I was sharing of LeBron today when you are jogging back on defense and Maxine Kleba just sprints right by you for a dunk. That's inexcusable. That's just an effort thing. And then when you look at the end of the game and it's this close and you're in crunch time, I'm going to think about the time you didn't sprint back on defense. Those things are inexcusable. But there were a lot of highlights going around tonight of Russ getting blocked at the rim, by also by Maxine Kleba. I think it happened to him at least four times tonight. And then obviously you look at the box score and you see he's 5 for 17 and you think, okay, he had a rough night. But this is a great example of some of the stuff I've been talking about with Russ. Everything outside of that. Everything outside of his field goal percentage, he did his job tonight. He applied a great deal of rim pressure. He created a lot of really good shots for his teammates. He had eight assists with no turnovers, which is absolutely hilarious in the context of the fact that before garbage time the other night against the Pelicans, he had zero assists and seven turnovers. So I don't even know how you could possibly have that. That is about as far a part of a playmaking two performances that you could possibly conceive. But he did a lot of good tonight. He generated a lot of rim pressure. He created shots for his teammates. You have to look beyond the 5-for-17 because that 5-for-17 is part of what was caving in the defense and created those wide-open looks for Stanley Johnson and created those wide-open looks for Carmelo Anthony and, and for Malik Monk that went in. On the defensive end of the ball, there was a handful of possessions that I could get nitpicky with him. There was one late when the Mavericks got to 105 where LeBron was guarding Luka and Luka threw up like kind of kind of a garbagey lob and and he just didn't even attempt to disrupt the lob. He just stood there um, uh, while the Mavericks laid it in. I can nitpick a, a few things, but for the most part, Russ did his job tonight. That's all you can ask. Yes, we can trim down on his field goal attempts if the team's all the way healthy, but in a night like tonight when it's just LeBron and Russ, he's going to have to shoot a lot, and most of his attempts were at the rim. There were a handful of shots we didn't like, but for the most part, Russ did his job. He just had one of those nights where the Mavs were all over him at the rim, and he wasn't making anything. That's going to happen. I think those are the two things. That's that like little gap or uh, lack of understanding that we have as fans sometimes as we box score watch rather than watching what's happening in the game. You look at the box score, looks like an utterly disastrous game from Russ, but if you actually watch the game, you could tell he was impacting winning in a lot of ways beyond what was showing up in the box score. But again... If LeBron is at the point where his knee can't handle this, I just don't see the point in in riding those guys too hard. And at a certain point, you have to think about what the long-term future is for both of these guys. And maybe for Russ, that means playing. But I think for LeBron, it means not playing. And then you look at the guy that they just signed. I really like Wenyan Gabriel, who did a really nice job guarding Anthony Davis in the bubble in that first-round playoff series with the Portland Trailblazers, he's an example of a guy that, hey, it'd be great to give him a ton of NBA minutes to, for the rest of the season to try, to try to get a feel for whether or not he could be someone the Lakers use next year. He's a guy who's out of the league, which means you could probably get him for a discount. It's one of those deals where if, you, if he shows some signs of life over the next 10, 15 games, maybe you can sign him to a team-friendly deal that locks him up at a discount for next season when, once again, the Lakers are going to need to look for athleticism and talent on the margins in the veteran minimum market. That's an example of a direction that the, the Lakers can go. That's the, that is a more useful 
use of these last 50, uh, 20 games or so than breaking down LeBron's body, further hurting his knee and potentially more, and continuing this cycle of poor effort and, and bad body language and all of the negative consequences that come from that kind of thing. Really quickly before we move on from the Lakers, I had a couple of quick hitters that I wanted to hit, just little notes that I had in the game. thought it was really interesting that they went with the new starting lineup. A lot of the guys that I've been clamoring for all season long, they started Malik Monk, they started Austin Reeves, they started Stanley Johnson alongside Russ and LeBron. Those are probably the next three best players on the roster. You could argue Carmelo Anthony, but those are guys that can play, and they should have been in the starting lineup a long time ago, and they weren't because of politics and Frank leaning on veterans and things along those lines. I'm not surprised that the starters performed really well tonight. They came out the gates well. It was one of the rare uh, uh, examples of a, of a Laker team that came out with energy to start a game this season. Next, I wanted to hit on, on, on Luka's moves. This has always been one of, my most, one of the most fascinating things about Luka. When Luka was coming out of Europe, there was a lot of skepticism about whether or not he'd be able to create his own shot in the NBA because of the huge increase in athleticism going from what he was dealing with in Europe to dealing with in the NBA. And he's had absolutely no problem. In fact, he's been more dominant in the NBA, and he's actually gone on the record and said it's easier to score in the NBA, which... I think has a lot more to do with the fact that he's surrounded by more talented players and it's harder for teams to send more help at him. But still, Luka's doing fine. And the reason why is because even though he's slow, does not have a quick first step, doesn't have quick counter steps, doesn't have great lift. What he does have, though, is, in my opinion, the best arsenal of moves. You know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of an NFL wide receiver who's a great route runner, but isn't necessarily the best athlete. Luca sells every bit of every single move with every part of his body. And as a result of that, guys like Stanley, Stanley Johnson came out and guarded Luca from the jump tonight. A guy like Stanley Johnson is very aggressive. He likes to reach. He gets out of position. Luca always utilizes that sort of thing against the defender. He's very good at selling like he's going one way to get a guy like Stanley to lunge or to slide one direction before he goes the other way. That's always going to do a better job of generating separation than you just running up and going fast. Because if you're running up and going fast, if the guy guesses right, he's in front of you. But if you can sell a change of direction or a change of pace that gets the defender to either gamble or get himself out of position, now you have a wide open driving lane. Luka has made a killing out of that in the NBA. It's my favorite part of his game. I've nonstop been trying to figure out ways that I can learn that for myself as well. It, all of you kids growing up trying to learn the game, he's the guy to watch because you can't control your athleticism. You can't control how tall you get. You can't control how fast you get. You absolutely can control the way that you set up and sell your moves. And Luca is literally turning himself into an NBA, like Pantheon superstar with that type of attention to detail with the way that he attacks offensively. FanDuel Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And with FanDuel's same game parlays, you can turn little bets into big paydays. FanDuel is my favorite sports betting app because it is so incredibly user-friendly and easy to navigate. Make every game feel like the finals all season long. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app or head to FanDuel.com and sign up using promo code JasonT to bet the NBA today and get your first bet risk-free. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana, 
permitted parishes only, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. In Tennessee Redline, Dial 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It is an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. CJ will bring his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoops takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. couple more quick ones. Austin Reeves, it's been a great season for you, man. I think you've been a great find for the Lakers scouting department. You're absolutely going to be in the rotation next year. You have a long NBA career ahead of you because of all the things you do well. You got to learn how to shoot, man. Austin Reeves shot the ball really well in college his first two years, and then his shooting fell off in the last two years. He's been getting fantastic looks for the Lakers this year, and he's just not making them, especially of late. And you're starting to see teams catch on to that, and it's also starting to affect the Lakers and their psyche a little bit when they run solid offense and the ball ends up in Austin's hands wide open on the wing, and he misses again, and he misses again. That needs to be his major attention to detail this summer, Austin has to take the time to become a more proficient three-point shooter. Last note, I had a fan uh, text me on uh, Twitter and ask, why don't the Lakers run more pick and roll with Russ and LeBron? When they do, it seems to work. 
why is it that they go away from that so often? It's a similar question that you hear asked about LeBron. Why doesn't LeBron run more pick and roll with Anthony Davis when, uh, back when Anthony Davis was healthy? And I think it's a combination of two things. One, NBA teams have figured out that they can guard Russ by putting a bigger, more athletic forward because Russ likes to try to bully his way to the basket, and he's very one-dimensional now. He's not scoring out of the mid-range really much at all. So you saw that tonight. Russ could not finish around Maxine Kleba around the basket. You can guard a guy like Russ with Maxine Kleba now. That certainly was not the case when he was younger. So part of it is if Russ is being guarded by a forward and LeBron's being guarded by a forward, what do you think is going to happen if Russ and LeBron run a pick and roll? They're just going to switch it. Now you're in the exact same situation you were before the action, and one of those guys has to beat somebody off the dribble, but it's a similar matchup. So they're not really gaining anything out of it. The second part of it has to do with fatigue, I think. When you have two high-level, high-usage perimeter initiators, and one guy's doing a bunch of stuff, and then he throws the ball to the other guy, I think the last thing he wants to do in that situation is become a screener. He wants to rest. And so like a guy like LeBron in particular, on the possessions where Russ has the ball, I think in LeBron's head he's like, I'm better off spotting up because if I spot up, I'm saving my legs for the next time I need to do something. Whereas if he's on the ball doing stuff as a point guard, but then as soon as he gives the ball to Russ, now he's the pick and roll uh, uh, screener. That just adds a lot to his workload. So I think a combination of that and the fact that teams are switching it so much has made it so that that action is not one that the Lakers go to very often. So to put a bow on it, like it's as frustrating a game this season because that same effort would have won against the Pelicans, and they for some reason didn't use it then and then used it tonight. And then in the second quarter, they let go of the rope for a while, fell down by 21 points. These are... These are winnable opportunities here that the Lakers are coughing up for a variety of reasons that are mainly associated with effort and focus. And anytime that happens, it's frustrating. It's going to rub you wrong as a fan because you have to get up and grind at work tomorrow. And how annoying is that when you're grinding and the guys you're watching on TV for an entertainment product are not grinding? That's frustrating. That gets that can that can grate on fans, and 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 I hope that they come to some sort of agreement on what their strategy is here for the rest of the season. Whether or not they're going to go for this, or they're going to pack it in and rest. Because if they're going to pack it in and rest, then you can provide the fans with a product of young players who will be in the future alongside LeBron and Anthony Davis. They'll play hard every night. They'll play desperate, and you'll get a much better product out of that. All right, before we get out of here tonight, I wanted to hit on a couple things from around the league. I want to start with the Warriors. So the Warriors lost again tonight. They lost by 15 on the road in Minnesota, who is a good team, as I've been telling you guys. They've lost six out of their last eight. In that stretch, they're 19th in offense and 21st in defense. And I was driving to the gym today, and I was literally thinking to myself, you know, in the same way that Laker fans in 2020, that whole season, we all felt really good about the team. Right, We all knew like this is a real championship contender. And I was really interested, as I was driving today, I'm like, I was thinking, I wonder how Warriors fans are thinking right now. Because this team very much does not look like a championship contender. And I'm, and I'm not even looking strictly at this stretch of basketball. There's a couple of very distinct uh, markers that are, that are concerning. Draymond Green has not yet been cleared for, for contact. One of the big reasons why I'm not super bullish on Brooklyn, even though I do like the Ben Simmons fit, one of the reasons why I'm not super bullish on them is those guys haven't even played yet, and there's just not a lot of time left. I think there's still a threat, 
But as soon as you cut into your continuity and your opportunity to practice and build chemistry, that's going to lower your chances. It's going to lower your odds a little bit. And the Warriors are running into a little bit of that. You need, you need Draymond at the absolute top of his game. You need Draymond to put together an all-time playoff run in order for this team to win. I mean, defensively, you need Draymond to be vintage 2016, 2017 Draymond defensively. And that's going to put a lot of stress on his body and he's hurt right now. And especially with back stuff, that gets really tricky. Like, there's a chance that he comes back, but he's not nearly as mobile as he is. I watched a video of him working out the other day. I know he's in his ramp-up period, so I'm not judging that as the final product. But he doesn't look super mobile yet. And it's hard to imagine that he's going to, sometime in the next six weeks, magically rediscover that. Then you look at Steph. Steph is clearly having limitations. He was 5 for 16 from 3 again tonight. Like I told you guys uh, in two, uh, the show on Sunday night, he's shooting right around 34% from three in his last in his previous eight games before tonight. So you've got Steph undergoing some sort of decline. You've got Draymond a little hurt. And this team does not have that big superstar wing that all of the best teams in the league have that can physically dominate on offense in a playoff series. So they have some big glaring shortcomings. They're small. They're young when you take Draymond out of the equation. There's a lot of issues there and they're fastly for me I think they're a clear discernible tier below the Phoenixes and the Phillies and the, and the Milwaukee's and, and teams like that I think those teams are very clearly a level above the Warriors meaning if they were healthy I think they I think they'd beat them soundly so it's strange because with how well the Warriors started the season you would have thought of them as a bona fide championship contender but I think they're fastly falling out of that group and the only way that I would consider them back in that group is if Steph regains his form and proves to us that this was just a slump and not a decline and if Draymond can recover what he was physically and be able to put together a defensive playoff run like he did in the golden years of the Warriors next I want to hit on the Clippers so they've won six out of seven they have the best defense in the league in this stretch over the last seven games, and they're seventh in defense for the season. What fascinates me so much about this team, because one of my producers asked me earlier, they go, why are the Clippers better than the Lakers? And I think it's one of the most fascinating topics that's in, going on in the NBA right now. They are the definition of a team that is manufacturing wins with a talent disadvantage. How do you manufacture wins with a talent disadvantage? The same way Bill Belichick does it with the, the Patriots without Tom Brady. It's about scheming. It's about being ahead of your opponent on the tactical side of things. That's the only way you can make up that gap. Now, the, I want to be clear. The Clippers do have some talent, okay? Reggie Jackson is having a fantastic season again. He's one of the best five-out guards that you could have because of his ability to beat people off the dribble and to shoot off the dribble. You have all these other guys that could do so much on the wing, like a Marcus Morris. Nicholas Batum has kind of blossomed into a pretty uh, reliable and valuable defensive player. I like their centers, Hartenstein and Zubach. They have talent. I'm not undercutting that by any stretch. But relative to other teams that are at their level in the league, they don't have as much talent. Why do they win? They win because tactically they are as advanced as any team in the NBA. That's a credit to Ty Lue. That's a credit to their general management. The way that team is put together is built for modern basketball. They're getting a ton of stops without Kawhi and Paul George. Like I said, number one in defense in their last seven games without Kawhi and Paul George. Why? Switching everything, being very good at switching everything, stagnating the opponent, 
getting them to attack you in isolation where you're just better at that because Reggie Jackson is so fast, because you have all these wings that can attack matchups. They are manufacturing wins on the tactical side of things, whereas the Lakers have been like the exact opposite of that this year. They've been tactically holding themselves back. They've been actively, and not intentionally, but they've been actively playing to their weaknesses rather than playing to their strengths. That's why the Clippers have been better than the Lakers this year. And it's arguably the biggest thing that the Lakers have to address this offseason. Lastly, really quick, before we get out of here tonight, the Boston Celtics. They were on <laughs> – this is just the nature of the way this business works. I come on this show, and I tell you guys that I think the Celtics are a bona fide championship contender, and then they promptly cough a game, a cough up a game at home to the Detroit Pistons, and then a couple nights later they get blown out on the road by the Indiana Pacers. But what this was was a classic case of midseason malaise, especially in a weak part of your schedule. Indy and Detroit are not good teams. That midseason malaise leading to a defensive slip. In the four games before tonight, the Celtics had a defensive rating of 113.1. Before that, in, their stre- uh, in the stretch that I was talking about in the, in the show where I highlighted them as a championship contender, their defensive rating was below 100. So that's a huge gap. And then tonight in the first half, it looked like a continuation of the same thing. Atlanta was getting whatever they wanted. 125 defensive rating in the first half tonight for Boston. But it finally clicked. And that's what happens for these really good teams when they're in one of these down stretches, eventually their competitive nature kicks in and eventually they rise back to the level that they were at before that slump. They had a 76.7 defensive rating in the second half, utterly strangled the Atlanta Hawks. And when you watched it, you could see the effects of their switching defense, constantly getting the ball into situations where the pick and roll uh, actions weren't working. And now all of a sudden it's like, can Kevin Werder create a shot against Jalen Brown? You know, can, Trey Young's shooting another step back jump shot. You know, like here, here comes DeAndre. They just, they were forcing them to play isolation basketball. And that team just doesn't have a lot of guys who are great at isolation basketball. And the Hawks couldn't score. And next thing you know, the Celtics erased that big deficit and came back to win the game. I still am a firm believer that that team can win a championship. They're definitely in that second tier. They're more like a Warriors, in my opinion, than they are like a Bucks or a, a Sixers or a Suns. But they, they absolutely are still a threat in order to do that. And I'm happy to see that they were able to get back to that level because <laughs> it was a little unfortunate that they hit that stretch right after I started advocating for them. All right, guys, that is all I have for tonight. I appreciate your guys' support. As always, we will be back on Thursday for our usual post-game show. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.